Hey guys, this is You Inspire Us, the podcast about all things bike. I'm Elliot Jackson, a bike ambassador for Thule, and even though we're in between seasons at the moment, we thought we'd be extra generous and give you a bonus episode this week to keep you going until the next season drops. Through the course of this podcast, we've been asking our guests some quick-fire bonus questions. One of the questions was, when you started riding bikes, what did you at first think was impossible that today you think is easy? I really love this question because it makes us look back on how far we've come. There are always things that feel impossible, but when we reflect, we're reminded that hopefully one day those things too will feel easy. So I want to start with Scotty Laughlin, who describes himself as a mountain bike athlete sharing stories. The answer you gave really resonated with me, and I think it's something that we can all relate to. Probably there is... There's now actually a path, but at the time it was a really steep set of stairs. Um, and I'd just stand at the top every day and look at them and be like, no way that my bike can take me down here. Never going to be able to do it. And just, you know, I don't know how many times I stood at the top of them. And then all of a sudden they just, it just clicked and it was like, boom, down it. And then you'd go race back up, do it again. And it was just that repetition, I guess, is... You know, it comes back to practice, isn't it? It comes back to learning. Repetition really was key to to making it happen. The idea of having something click is really, it's, it's truly the best feeling in the world. I remember being down at my local dirt jumps and seeing some of the older kids like do these jumps. And I was like, oh, that's just, there's no way that I will ever do that. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years, not only was I doing that, we were building jumps that were even bigger. And Scotty has done so many things in his life, and it definitely feels like that is something that he pursues, you know, on and off the camera, from presenting to racing to photo and video work and sustainability. It's something that I think that he strives to do and something that is almost gives him, gives him life. Another person that we talked to about progression was Tomomi Nishikubo. Just try and try. And sometimes I change the way yeah. to, to do trick. Sometimes I tried wrong way. So I stopped writing and uh, I start, I start thinking, thinking about how can I get this trick? with another way. Mm. Brainstorming is really, really important yeah. for writing. Yeah. So you should use your head yeah. when you're writing. Totally. Yes. So this is, this is the reason. Tomomi is a two-time Japanese trials champion and content creator whose videos have really been blowing up. And you can tell how deliberate he is at everything that he does. This idea of brain versus body is super fascinating. You can know how to do something intellectually, but how do you get your body to do it? He talked about how brainstorming is so important to riding a bike. And I think it's not something that we think about, especially in in trials or, you know, for me in, in downhill world cup racing, people think it's all about risk and really taking chances. But Tomomi really articulates why it is so important to think deeply about it. I think visualization is this interesting concept that Brooklyn also talked about. 
it's less about knowing how to do something and more about seeing in your head. And that again, just resonates with me so much. I remember some of my best race runs ever. I could tell you, you know, I was two inches to the left of this rock. I took half a pedal here and being in that flow state for me meant knowing exactly how to do everything. And so speaking of creativity, Brooklyn Bell, who is this amazing artist, mountain biker, and professional big mountain skier, talked about discovering what is possible. Oh, just like everything. Also, the other day I realized like it, I feel like it's just taken me years to get into climbing fitness, (laughs) you know? Yes, Um, for sure. I think like for me, jumping. Jumping has been the one thing where I'm just like, how? And I'm still, I still watch people jump and whip and do all those tricks. And I'm like, how do you do that? (laughs) Totally. I know. It's one of those ones where you like, you think you're like upside down, totally sideways. And you look at the picture and you're like, oh, that's, I don't think that was me. Thank you. you, No. (laughs) You took a picture of the wrong person for sure. (laughs) Brooklyn is still fascinated with how biking can even be a thing she's still in this phase of exploration and curiosity even just the concept of mountain biking seems to just blow her mind every day you know thinking about jumping and you know getting that fitness and i think even though that she's been riding for a long time and i think all of us see her instagram and see the videos that she does and it doesn't feel like she is in that discovery phase she really highlights the importance of keeping that curiosity and excitement for something that you're passionate about, even when it becomes a job. It was also really interesting hearing Milo Fowler talk about that discovery phase as well. I think biking 100 miles. Yeah. It's amazing how far 100 miles really is when you're, yeah, you know, slowing, when you're getting there outside of a, of, yeah. of a vehicle, whether it's like on a horse. Um, you know, we've had some Navajo ceremonies where you ride a horse for like 40, 50, 60 miles and that you feel that in your legs, you know, it's like, wow, that was a long ride. But in, in a bike, it, it seems to be longer. And um, by the time you accomplish that, it's like, wow, we covered a lot of ground, Totally, you know, and so yeah. I never thought I would be able to do that. Milo is a Navajo adventure photographer who has backpacked over 400 miles to raise money for his community. That is actually something I cannot relate to at all. It's a really interesting that you can kind of take that same trip by car and it is completely different by bike or apparently by horse. I think that him talking about riding 100 miles and him being in the discovery phase and also kind of elevating his passion for the bike, even though it's something that he's done his entire life, being able to slow down and giving himself a sense of place, better understanding his surroundings and, you know, really just gaining a more intimate relationship with nature. In contrast to Milo, we had Hannah Barnes, who is a mountain biker and all around adventurer on You Inspire Us, talk about the progression of the bikes themselves. When I first started riding bikes, I would definitely say riding anything techie with, with a seat in the way because there was no dropper posts so i remember doing the mega avalanche and the hot topic of conversation was the optimum seat height for being for the pedley section on that fire road climb and then also there was some pretty techy steeper sections so what would be the optimum seat height to have for this race which is going to take an hour or so 
So now it's just amazing. You can have your seat at whatever height and it's always, yeah, just the optimum height you can have it at all the time. And it's a pretty cool thing because I remember, yeah, back in the day, these big discussions, what should I start? (laughs) What seat height should I have at the beginning? Because this is going to be, it's a pretty big decision. (laughs) On the podcast, we had both Martin Soderstrom and Hannah really speak to the perspective of the early days of the industry, a time when exploration and pushing the limits of what is possible, uh, paving the way for everyone else. And when I say pushing the limits, it was actually apparently pushing the limits of the equipment themselves. We talked in the interview about it, but Hannah really is this person that we all looked up to. And it's interesting to me that she might have felt like the equipment was holding her back, but it's interesting that she didn't feel like those same constraints apply to her in terms of opportunity for the industry. She really ties together a lot of these themes for me, which is, you know, we looked at her and there was this progression of seeing her stop racing and start, you know, being an ambassador. And we we're like, what does she do? How does she doing that? And then it became, how do we become Hannah Barnes? And now I think that you see a lot of people trying to live up to what Hannah Barnes, um, the standard that she set uh, all those years ago. And, you know, this last clip, <laughs> I think it speaks for itself. What I thought was impossible. Yeah. yeah. Make a living <laughs> on a, on a, riding a bicycle. Now it's easy. You're just here, just cruising. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> just send some invoices. I think the takeaway from this one is it's easy to make a living and you're a rock star. <laughs> yeah. Such a humble guy. Okay. I didn't think about it like, ah, oh, man, you're, you're twisting my words. And we laugh, but Martin, who is a multi-time Crankwork Speed and Style champion, and like I always like to say, he's the rider that all your favorite pro riders look up to, talks about something that truly does feel impossible when you're young, which is, how do I do what I love for a living? I always, every time I go over my dad's house, he has this Mad Libs up in, on his wall. And I think I was in second grade. And one of the questions was, what do you want to do? Or what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, a bike rider. And I don't think that I really understood what that meant, but I knew that I loved riding bikes. And when Martin talks about it feeling easy by definition it's your job and so i think that sometimes we take for granted that you can live off your passion for a career and i think it also shows that martin truly was doing what he loved to do when he was younger our next two guests had a fairly similar answer this is what amelia hansen had to say i would say like a backflip it just seemed like way too absurd i was terrified to go backwards like I struggled to do backflip on a trampoline forever I just couldn't get myself to backflip straight like I could front flip no problem but I just backflips I just thought I would land upside down and die so yeah that was definitely a big one to learn that I would say and seeing as how Kurt Sorge is also one of the greatest mountain bikers of all time maybe it makes sense that he said something similar oh wow 
I was thinking everything was going to be impossible. It's crazy. You're like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do a backflip or anything like that. But yeah, just with enough practice, like you know, all these tricks, I was like, oh, there's no way. Like it feels so hard to try and learn or I don't know how you even figure that out. But now you got kids that are, you know, not even 10 yet and they're doing all the way crazier tricks than I can even do now. So I just, yeah, just remembered just doing that. Yeah, I won't be able to do whatever, a backflip, no hander. And then, you know, you put in the time and all of a sudden it's like not that hard. Or, yeah. It's a bit comforting in a way to hear that even some of the most accomplished athletes can make this trick look effortless today. But at one point it seemed impossible. I think backflips will remain impossible for me, but you know what? I am okay with that. Last but not least, when I first started riding bikes, what did I think at first was impossible that today I think is easy? I think for me, it's doing big dirt jumps. I remember when I was a kid, I would go down to these dirt jump spots and a lot of the time there would be no one there and I would try to imagine who in their right mind, what it would even look like to jump off of these things that were straight up and straight down and land 20 or 30 feet away. And now I think it's really special for me to visit those same places. I remember I went down to a place that I had been maybe 15 years earlier and I didn't even think about doing those jumps. And so that moment was really special for me because a lot of the time, you don't even realize you're doing impossible things. You just take them for granted and they're now easy. Thanks for listening to this week's bonus episode. Remember to subscribe so you're the first to know when the second season of You Inspire Us is out. Talk soon.